RPG for You and Me presents Neon Heat, a duet actual play podcast using the Savage Worlds rule set in our custom cyber fantasy setting. Thank you for joining us, and welcome back to Caldonics. Previously on Neon Heat, Athena and Pavi attend Festival, picking up Tuco along the way. Athena meets Roja's father and has a talk with Pavi's cousin, old friend Sekaton, who is now the Baron of the Cauld. He lays it out plain for Athena that he does not approve of her cozying up to Alaricorp, an attitude shared by many in East City after her interview the previous day. Clint gets a pep talk from Gooper before heading to the Shard, and Athena gets busy tying up loose ends before the cook-off starts. Athena is standing in one of the archway entrances to the stadium proper of the Shard on that upper ring with her crew of Clint supporters, and she's drumming fingers on her thigh, very worried. <laughs> While there are individuals in the crowd who are cheering for Escar Glow, this is your tight-knit group composed of Athena, your grandmother Cressida, your mother Val, Tuka, Pavi's parents Sekarui and Sekamarv, and your aunt Fiora. Regulator Eugene Lepaco is, as always, lurking somewhere nearby. Just waiting for stuff to start. She doesn't know how people are going to be shaped in. Sure. But she wants to get the most mass of people to hear her being as loud as possible. Is it misty at all? Is there a little bit of mist going oh, abs- on? Absolutely. Specifically in this part of the city, there's almost always a residual mist or fog. It just... It's, it's almost on the waterfront. Yeah, it's very close to the waterfront. Air circulation over here is not nearly as good as it mm-hmm. is in the West City, so a lot of the mist from West City even gets pushed over here, too. And they can circulate it if they need to, but I think it's just part vibe. of the environment and the vibe, right? So, And you no, can even see the potholes in the road because the fog dips down. In the- <laughs> there you go, of course. There are... No assigned seats in the Shard. Everyone sits wherever they want to, and of course we've seen the shaping before where all of the seats merge down into the lower levels and the crowd gets more tightly packed. The arena of the Shard itself has the capability to resize itself when appropriate. Which is neat as hell. Yeah, and this is certainly one of those situations where... It's more intimate. They just don't need that much physical space. It's not like they're doing chariot races today. Not today. Not today. So they bring the crowd much more forward. Standing up here in the archway, the seats are surprisingly packed. More people than you would have expected to see here, at least on par with how many people were here the last time you came to see Shazad. Oh, wow. Maybe more. And more people are just filtering in all the time, so it seems like the advertisements have done their job. Athena's desperately hoping that some of her positive legwork for her dad has rolled over into this. There's a lot of energetic chatter people around with their foods, the trinkets they've bought in Festival, lots of multicolored objects being waved in the air. Athena's leaning her shoulder onto the wall of the archway, looking down. 
your crews standing up there waiting, perhaps waiting for the shaping to happen so that they can take seats. <laughs> <for> better <laughs> seats. <laughs> the cool kid seats, yeah. The fog and mist hanging over the stadium is ever-present as always. The red, yellow, and orange colors of the crystals in the shard, reminiscent of the fires of cooking. The flames of the stove. <laughs> yes. As the lights of the arena begin to dim, the shaping takes place. All the stone benches begin to shift and flow downward to move all of the onlookers into one large mass that's more consolidated. Once the shaping is done, Athena guides everybody to the side of the arena seating, which is now empty to folks, to try and take a more private seat. She sits down between Tuca and her mom. Cressida and Aunt Fiora are one row directly behind her, and I kind of assumed Rui and Mark were just clustered around Val. Your mother Val is seated closest to Rui and Marv. She's not mentally linked up in that network that you guys are currently a part of for logistical support. I feel like she's been very quiet. She's quiet, and there's certainly an anxious energy there. Any energy's good energy these days. You're certainly more used to your mother being passive, or at least not as energetic as she used to be, but you can tell she's more on edge today than she has been since you've seen her. Athena takes her hand, gives her a quick squeeze. Doesn't need to say anything, I don't think. I don't think she does either, but she gives you a warm smile, squeezes back, clutches it in her other hand as well. Rui and Marv, Pavi's almost the spitting image of Rui, but she's younger, more athletic. Has some Nakir features. Yeah, ha has some more angular, narrow features. Rui is very bubbly and positive for the most part. Marv has purple skin, dark purple. He appears solemn, but then you can see the easygoing nature come through a lot more, especially when he's near his wife. He's more like Val than he is like Rui. After another several minutes, the lighting in the arena begins to shift and dim itself, almost like it's being pulled upwards to a mass in the fog directly above the stadium, multicolored patterns swirling to life before a voice booms out over the crowd. Welcome, welcome, citizens of Caldonix, to the Feast of All. Woo! Rambunctious, cheering all around as the energy begins to build. Yes. Yes. We've got a special treat tonight to kick this festival off in style. A classic duel for honor and glory with a special twist. The weapons of choice, kitchen knives and cookware. Introducing our two honor-bound warriors. A spotlight materializes in the mist above and focuses on one contestant podium down in the field. And you notice that the field has shrunk, as we mentioned. There are several major things out there. Two stage podiums that are set up for cooking purposes with grills and things mm -hmm. like that. There is a bank with several chairs where you can see shadowy figures are seated already. Shadowy figures? Shadowy <laughs> figures. And then there's a big pallet or a big pile of stuff in between all of them. So the spotlight materializes in the mist above and focuses on one of the two contestant podiums. Clintero Sedaris, head cook of local eatery Escar Glow. 
To the cheers of the crowd, Clint's form also materializes in the mist above, mostly a shoulders and above shot, and you see the stony, serious expression on his face as he steps forward and takes an awkward bow, crossing arms over his chest, holding a kitchen knife and ladle. Yes! Pavi stands off to one side, behind him, not in the spotlight, but takes a small bow as well. You can tell your father. He has that gritty determination on, but his eyes are pretty wild. <laughs> You've got this. The crowd, they're on your side. Don't even worry about it. Listen to that. Listen to that cheering. That's real good. Let's do a persuasion. This one's pretty easy. Let's take a moment to address the crowd. When Clint steps forward, there's a pretty solid response from the crowd. It's not just polite applause. There are people who are actively cheering. Nice. You look around, some people are holding. Would there have been any kind of memorabilia? Maybe there's snail signs. Snail signs. Little foam snails. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, so <laughs> there's uh, little foam snails. On sticks that little, they can... <laughs> little barisks on sticks that people are waving in the air. Signs that say S-Car Glow. Persuasion. This one's pretty easy, so persuade at plus two. Uh, as long as you don't crit fail, I think well. you can. Oh, I'm just. Well. I, I gotta throw it out there because that increases the chances that it'll happen, so. Seven. Whew, yeah. Yeah, you, you're right. I got this. I. Whew, this is fine. Look at all the tiny snails on sticks. I can't see them from here. Everything's Never mind. So bright. Don't, don't, bright look, don't even worry about it. Just You, you feel the vibe. You don't look at the crowd because they don't even matter. They don't matter. It's fine. All this transpires in the time that he's taking his bow. At Makes it the, awkward. Based on how quickly you guys can communicate. <laughs> Clintero, don't forget to smile. These people are here to see you, to support you. That's true. You can, you can look determined and still smile. Like a brave, smiling bastion. Double image. 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 Says Athena, wildly aware of her own <laughs> public image right. and how shitty it is. As Clint finishes his bow and takes a step back, the spotlight on Clint fades. Another spotlight materializes and shines down on the other contestants' podium area. Mobius Richter, master chef and restaurateur of the acclaimed Mobius Strip. Athena mutters acclaimed. Mobius Richter, with his gray-green skin, bald head, and pointed ears, takes a sweeping and theatrical bow before turning to glare at Clint. His form is also manifested in the fog above, made of light and smoke, and his expression is one of smarmy confidence and disdain. Only when looking at Clint, when he looks out to the crowd, he's all smiles. The overall response from the crowd is middling, but there's one pretty big section that cheers a lot harder, definitely more booing. You didn't really hear much in the way of booing for Clint, there's definitely some booing for Mobius. Hell yeah! Hell yeah. But it seems like there's some overly active people who are trying to drown that out as much as possible. Drown out the booing? Yeah. Mm. Well, she knows where to go to stir up trouble later. <laughs> She's not interfering with the competition. She's interfering with their psychological wellness. I think that's a perfectly valid thing. I think thing. that's fine. Sure. Behind him, you can see Dick Richter standing in an adjacent position to where Pavi was, looking equally smarmy with his ketchup red skin, mustard yellow eyes, <laughs> and mayonnaise white hair. If she could cross her arms right now, she would, and she's just muttering, oh, God, I hate them so much. That wasn't just me, right? He had a way, way better intro than I did. No! She says <laughs> after a pause. Make me a persuade. Uh, this one's gonna be a minus two. <laughs> Because you guys definitely heard the same thing. Fuck. Uh, that's a that's a two. I mean, I don't think it was. Was it? Yeah, it was. Uh, yep. 
I was uh, head cook. He was master chef. I was local eatery. He was restaurateur and acclaimed. Do you want me to go threaten the announcer real quick? Uh, what? Don't worry about it. In the, uh, <laughs> in the smoke of... <laughs> In the smoke above the arena, you see a flicker of worry pass over Clint's face as he's looking around. I'm goofing. I'm goofing. Don't worry about it. Clears just as quickly as it came, but his eyes are still a bit wild. She looks over at Cressida and is like, I was only like half goofing. Last resorts to you. I know. Both of the spotlights illuminate now as the lights around the arena in general begin to illuminate more, making it easier to see things. This clash of titans will be broken into two rounds, appetizer and entree, from a pre-approved list of ingredients provided here. Another spotlight illuminates that third area in the neutral zone between them. It's just an enormous pile of food ingredients. Contestants will have an allotted amount of time per round to create culinary perfection before bearing their throats to our three hungry judges. Yet another spotlight flicks on and a panel of three individuals are seated and they rise one by one. Baron Sekaton, current head of the called. A multitude of cheering and whooping from the crowd. Tan raises one meaty fist. Are there wolf whistles? Yeah, why not? He's the Baron, He's right? The He's baron. the Baron in the middle of his territory. He's king. on his day of festival. The Harvest King. He is the Harvest King. He's the Harvest King, king right? He's the Baron. Very uh, admirable, enticing bachelor to many men and women around the city. Spotlight swivels to the next person. Special uh, guest celebrity, Donovan Reno of Novi Now. She hisses under her breath. (laughs) Well, she probably doesn't have to hiss it. Because Donovan Reno in... What sort of suit do you think he's wearing? You said he's just like a... It is not important to describe him any further than he is just the most milk toast standard white ass reporter that you could turn on any channel and find. See, that's why he and he's got big hair. That's why I haven't even bothered doing a character portrait. It's a garbage can piece of shit. Sorry, have- I, I'm not supposed to inform your opinion, but it's Donovan <laughs> Reno. So, God, what if he's wearing a tuxedo? Oh, I like this. Okay, Donovan Reno stands clad in a pristine looking tuxedo. His normally poofed hair slicked back and oily looking, as dapper as can be. Gross. The crowd does not care for it either. (laughs) There's definitely some confusion around the crowd as to why this guy is even here. That same section that had cheered for Mobius doubles down and continues cheering as loud as they can, but the boos are even greater for him than Mobius. So maybe you start to hiss under your breath and then you're like, oh, everybody's doing it. She's emboldened. She's just boo. Donovan Reno does not seem put out by this as he does his best beauty pageant wave. It's the one where you just turn the wrist, right? You don't turn the hand. Oh, you don't, of course. You don't yeah. jiggle the hand. Multiple pivot points. You hold your arm up at a right angle, turn your wrist, and then you rotate your torso. It's, <laughs> oh, it's just God. a multiple swivel point, you know? <laughs> he would do well on Small World. <laughs> Donovan Reno takes his seat and the spotlight turns to the third judge on the panel as they rise. Revered critic and taste detective and best-selling author, find her autobiography Sweet Tooth Sleuth for sale today, Granny Gumshoe. This time there's scattered but polite applause. Definitely does not appear to be a big name that many people recognize, but the woman rising to her feet is a small, shrunken frame hunched in on itself. All these images are being recreated above, so you can get a better look. She appears to be Yara. Her additional legs are thicker and stubbier, more like a tarantula than anything else. They also appear to be not as pronounced. 
Are they the ones that hold her up? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Her frame is very small, but her tarantula legs are beefy and can handle it. Nice. She rises and does one single wave in a swoop, a rainbow in front of her as she turns and then sits down. She has a very friendly face. Athena does some substantial clapping. Mm -hmm. God, she really hopes that she's impressed. (laughs) This isn't just a battle for honor and glory. It's a legal battle as well. The outcome of today's competition could have dire consequences for either of our contestants as we watch them battle here for the soul of cooking itself or something like that. What the fuck kind of announcer is this? Athena says, flapping her arm. Tuka takes a bite of something next to you. I don't know, probably one that don't usually narrate cooking competitions, if I had to guess. Athena grabs a fry from her container, eats it moodily. (laughs) Damn, this is good. (laughs) And now, without further pretense or pageantry, both contestants may take to the field as we begin our countdown. Both Clint and Mobius make their way down to the neutral territory between their two cooking stations and square off against one another. What are Pavi and Dick doing? Pavi is leaning against something in a more aloof way with her arms crossed, but she's looking over at Dick. Maybe you see her move her hands a little bit, but she's not being recreated up in the air at the moment, so... Probably something rude. Do our contestants have any final words to share before we begin? You hear your father's panicked voice cut into your mind. Uh, oh, what should I say? I don't know what I should say. Duh. That's what I was going to go with, but I need something better. I know, give me a second. Maybe uh, we, we haven't always seen eye to eye, but best of luck. Regardless, that'll make you seem very honorable to the crowd. And then if he says anything shitty, that'll double down on him being a garbage can. <laughs> Poppy, were you flipping off Dick? Don't worry about it. Good. You hear Cressida's voice next. Well, dear, I think your argument is well-reasoned. Uh, but you're telling me I gotta be cool in front of him. You gotta be cool. You can't can't be aggressive. That'll, that might turn the crowd against you a little bit. Uh, I need you to make a persuasion to convince your father to say something neutral or even nice to Mobius Richter. Yep. The standard difficulty. Target four. Five. Ugh. Fine. There you go. There you go. Champion of all our hearts. Your father turns with a smiling but pained expression before speaking, and his voice carries throughout the stadium. Well, Mobius, this is it. And uh, may the best man win. Good good luck to you. You're going to need it. That was probably as good as we were going to get out of that. Mobius's expression only deepens in smarm as he looks back. Uh-huh. Very good, Clint. If you let the best man win, then you can Eskar go away forever. Athena shouts with her actual voice, That son of a bitch! <laughs> Tuka, hold me back! She stuffs the rest of whatever she's eating in her mouth and then puts greasy hands on you to hold you back. She Go, struggles. It's very performative. Sure. The same section that has been cheering for Mobius does some whooping and whistling, and everybody else just sort of goes, Boo! Good. Good. Clint gets sort of a sideways smirk at that, but turns to face the pile of food. Mobius does moments later. The announcer comes back on. Competitors ready. The countdown will begin now. And then you see in the air, the fog forms a giant glowing three and then counts down two and then one. 
a very loud buzzer goes off that can be heard all around the stadium. Clint and Mobius race forward to begin choosing their ingredients. As you see Clint spring forward, he speaks to you in your mind. What should I make? You don't even know what you're making, Dad? I can make so many things. I don't know what to make. Appetizers. Stir their bars. Make the make the bars. Okay, that, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll do that. You're the snail man. She says, getting a little flustered. Okay, yeah, that that's a good idea. I'll do that. Do you have any sauces? Do you, do you got your sauces? Were, did, were you allowed to bring those in? Uh, uh, yeah, everything that your mother brought for me. I can I can do stuff. Okay, S- sauce plates. They love a versatile. Just give you you got this. He'll ask you as he's going through advice about particulars and things like that, but he goes through to to get all of his food, and Mobius does the same. As he's hauling all of that back to his station, he comes back with a different question. How else did you say he was going to try to cheat here? What should I be on the lookout for? Uh, Well, we fixed the grills, so he talked to somebody about the ingredient list up front, and Donovan Reno's obviously on his payroll. He's got some people in the crowd to boo you and cheer for him. The announcer, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that announcer's on the level. But all you have to do is impress those two judges who aren't Donovan Reno. Or really impress Donovan Reno, too. I I mean, I'm gonna try. What's the... do, Do we ever find out what the ingredient was? No. Oh, boy. He's not a good cook. What could it be? I don't know, Athena. All right, I'm going to cook. Okay, cook. Here at the start of this competition, I'm going to allow Athena, of course, to have some sway over supporting through the crowd or however you choose to do that. Part of this was also based on who was Clint's second, right? So Mm -hmm. Athena made the choice that Pavi should be the one supporting him aside from her because of, you know, various reasons. You said that she's a better cook, which is probably true. She's been doing this for longer, and she's been here more consistently. She's got steadier so. nerves. Right. Um, so Pavi is supporting Clint, and Dick is supporting Mobius. To make not everything get super bogged down as we're going forward, I'm going to make some rolls for them now, and I'm going to factor those in on the back end to see how it's going to affect things. I think that sounds perfectly reasonable. Everything else I'm going to roll in the open and treat that as appropriate, but I will pre-factor this into whatever rolls I'm making for their cooking rolls. Pavi is maybe a D6, and Dick might be a D4 or something like that, just based on what they've done. But I I will keep track of that. That will be represented in the cooking rules here. So, During this period of time, while Clint and Pavi are cooking, (laughs) what is Athena doing? Athena is running around to vocal sections of the crowd invisibly to yell with them and direct their cheers in a favorable way. (laughs) Okay. And I'd like to use my adventure card. Oh boy, okay. Epiphany, beginner's luck. Something you never understood before suddenly clicks, you gain a D6 in any skill you previously did not have for the remainder of this game session. I would like performance. Okay. As an aspirant, she probably should have had performance from the get-go, but maybe she wasn't a very good vocalist, you know? Maybe she wasn't good at banter, like she's still not all the time. Sure, and I mean, verbal banter, that can also be covered by persuasion in some ways. By not having performance, it it doesn't mean... She was good at the fighting aspect, maybe not so good at the talking. Here's the thing, maybe that's why some people liked her, because she was entertaining to watch, but her repartee was just bad. bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> she just had bad one-liners or bad responses or couldn't think of anything. Just like, you Shut know up. you! She was a spectacle because she was so bad at the actual performance. I don't think she knows that. I don't. Oh, that's great, though. That's a great character moment. Tuka probably knows, though. Oh, yeah. I thought that was part of the act. You know, goof. 
give me a little bit of a description about how you're specifically going about this or what you're saying or what you're doing, and then we can figure it out from there. She's going to very densely packed areas so people can't pick out that she's not actually a visible person talking about stuff because she is invisible as she does this, so she's not associated with stuff. I see. Okay, well, first roll for your invisibility. I'd love to. God damn. 20. Athena disappears from history. Oh, God, there she goes. Campaign over. It was a good run. You are extremely invisible. And as far as upkeep, we'll figure out PowerPoints. You haven't been using them, really, so you no, can not effectively stay. I used empathy a couple times an hour or two ago. Yeah, you So can, that's three points. Yeah, you can effectively remain invisible for a prolonged period of time. If you wanted to drop it and then recast it later, that's a different story. But for at least doing this, it'll cost you a couple She's going to the densely packed areas and she's like, wow, that Mobius guy, he has no sense of class. I don't know, insulting him like that? She moves on to a different place. Wow, Escart Glow, I should go there later. That Clint guy, he looks like he's cooking up some wicked good whatever the fuck that is. Give me some. <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. Are you targeting a specific part of the crowd? The louder, rowdy, good one she identified from being up high. Okay, so the one that is more favorable to you. Yes. Okay. What are you trying to achieve? Trying to stoke the crowd to cheer for her dad and maybe boo Mobius. Okay, to, so you're trying to effectively give your dad a moral support boost while yes. getting under Mobius's skin to reduce his effectiveness. Yes. Wonderful. It's like a test, right? Yeah, basically. Give me two different performance rolls and we'll see what your total successes are. Okay. That's a seven for okay. the first one. So that's one. Did you crit fail? I crit fail. Oh, no! Crit failed that one. Ooh, that is bad. I probably can't use my conviction to add to that, can I? No, crit fail is just an yeah. automatic fail. If you want to add your conviction to the first one, you can do that. I'll let you retroactively apply it to that. Okay, I would like to do that. Because okay, you're, you're at a seven, so you don't have to spend a penny. Eight plus seven. So Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Better. So your crit fail is going to subtract two successes. Ow! It's a, <laughs> it's a crit fail. It. Sorry. Athena! Um, still a net success, just barely. So what specifically makes your first one a big success? And then what was your faux pas that really screwed you on the second one? She says the first thing about encouraging Clint to a group of people who all have foam snails on the sticks up in the air. So they're like already very receptive to what she's saying and immediately take off with it. What fucks her up the second time is her balance is still kind of off because of losing an arm. So I think she invisibly trips into a crowd of people and they're like, what the fuck just happened? And then she flees. They didn't hear what she was saying even and she just fucks it up. Does that just make them angry? I so think they it start... distracts them so they're not active participants in anything for a hot sec. I you see. Know what okay. I mean? So she distracts a critical portion of the crowd yes. that would have been supporting. would have been supporting. Had they been. Okay. But I the like foam that. snail boys, they're going. Foam snail boys, you knew them. You just catch glimpses of Tuca moving up and down the aisles of that one section that appears to be supporting Mobius, just yelling stuff like, Mobius sucks. <laughs> he a hack. Can't cook nothing. And just booing and stuff like that. Amazing. Tuca has maybe a D4 in performance, so I'm going to roll that. Oh, she oh, man. blew up a six into a ah, six. Ah, Tuca! Into a one, so yes! 13. Success with two raises. That adds plus three to your total. Oh, uh, yes. Which will bump it up to be one more success. Oh, yes. 
She uses her multicolored scale shifting to distract like a, people. To do like a ripple effect to make people look at her while she's doing that, and then you know people start to boo her. <laughs> she's a champion. In the fog, we are seeing representations of what's happening on the cooking floor. Clint flipping a saute pan, some little shells going up and down, and Pavi whisking frantically in the background. Fastest whisk in the West. Well, it's East City. Oh, sorry. In the East. You see a lot of the same motions coming from Mobius's corner. Feverishly chopping vegetables, separating items, measuring out spices, arranging pots and pans. The shots of Dick are slightly gratuitous. Maybe they paid them off too. If he's a newscaster, he's got to maintain the image, right? This stupid little vest. As the time in the first round begins to wind down and they are preparing to present their cooked foods to the judges, is there anything additional that you want to do? How those barsks looking? Smells good. Yeah, I know you can't smell them from here. Don't patronize me. Tommy, do they smell good? Yeah, it smells good. It smells good. Yeah, everything's going really well, I think. Whew. All right, we're working the crowd. Things are going pretty well. I can hear them from here. It sounds uh, a lot, a lot of cheering, a lot of booing. So the booing is not for you. It didn't sound like it was, but <laughs> let I... it bolster your spirit. Ugh. But also, you know, steady hands. Oh uh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Round one. You got this. Oh, God. There's another buzzer that sounds to indicate the end of the round before the food is collected by event staff. People will come over and ferry the food to the judge table while the contestants remain at their stations. She and Tuka are still standing a ways off from her core family and friends group, and she's just got her hand on Tuka's shoulder like a little claw. <laughs> like, oh, God. What a whirlwind of a month this has been for Tuka. Real weird. <laughs> The food is presented to each of the three judges in turn as they each try some of the food, stand one by one to present their findings or opinion. I would like to know what Mobius made. A basic salad type deal. Boo. Just a lot of greens. Ugh. Looks like the plate is mostly garnish. A lot of fun looking veggies on there. Hmm. A couple of sauces off to the side. Everybody tries Clint's food first. I would like for you to roll for Clint's cooking at this time. Okay. Clint is a career chef. Oh, we He's... already have his statted out. Do we? We do, because we used it in the bubble. She was trying to figure out if the food at peak was better than her dad's cooking, and okay. we had assigned him a D12. A D12? Really? Yep. Oh my, okay. I was going to go with D10, but That's D12 canon it is. D12 from it is. season past, Okay. and I'm going to cling to it with my rat claws. <laughs> okay. Career Chef D12 Cooking. They're both wild cards in the circumstance. You got two successes on your helpful end, so you may add plus two to this roll. Okay, cool. Here I go. Plus two. I'm going to Benny this. I rolled a seven. I want it to be better. Okay. Because you take the best one out of any of your rolls for unless, Benny's, unless right? Unless you crit fail. Unless you crit That's a 12, baby. A 12, okay. Success with two raises. Basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you roll and then I will assign internal modifiers mm -hmm. on my end for each judge. Sekatana is the first one that stands up. Well, these little Barsk fellows have been prepared perfectly. Wonderful sauce accompanying. Very strong content. Well done. Tumultuous cheering and applause from the crowd. Donovan Reno stands next. Donovan Reno, Novi Now here. Athena shakes her head. Reporting to you live from this judge podium. 
I'm gonna roll his performance. Okay. He's not a wild card. I'm not making him a wild card for this. Donovan Reno. He's a reporter. He's a reporter. I feel like he probably has decent performance. I'm thinking at least a D8. Yeah, that seems right. right. Is, that, is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So Donovan Reno rolling a D8. Got a six. Basically what I'm doing here is Donovan Reno is obviously a plant. Obviously a plant. You know this. You know that Donovan Reno is a plant who's going to support Mobius. Each roll of his success as performance is going to subtract one of Clint's successes from cooking based on how well he conceals how well he likes the food, right? Fuck. So his goal is to support Mobius no matter what, but he's also, like, everybody's looking at him too, so he's trying to tank this. I have to say I didn't enjoy the plating very much. The flavor was acceptable. The consistency was adequate. I'm just looking for something a little bit more. And you can tell, even while he's doing this, maybe he just licks his lips a few times or (laughs) (laughs) takes another bite in the middle of it just to be like, (laughs) Does Tan look at him at all, like give him side eye? Tan specifically does not look at him at all. Sits there shaking his head a little bit. But it's clear to you, at least, that his words are... Hollow. Flowery and hollow, and the crowd response is mixed at best. Donovan Reno sits back down and moves on to Granny Gumshoe. Well, I'm always impressed with individuals who can put something special onto the plate, and while I've had barsks before, these were prepared simply wonderfully. Treat for the palate, exquisite mouthfeel, and I should know... She smiles, revealing that she does not, in fact, have teeth. Bars, good food for her, then. Does she eat everything whole? Who knows? I don't know. And she sits back down. The response from the crowd is pretty positive overall. Athena would like to check in with her dad. See, the only two people that actually matter really liked it. And you could tell Donovan had to take another bite, even, because it's too fucking good. Yeah, he's such a snake. Oh, it kills me that he's eating my food. I want people to like my food, but I don't like him doesn't deserve my food. That's true. But he's going to eat some more anyway. Yeah. Chop, chop. Chef joke. Ha <laughs> ha. Give a Benny for that. That was a fun joke. <laughs> Thank you. This time, Mobius's veggie concoction is passed by the judges, and they take a moment to eat and savor it. I'm going to roll for Mobius now. Okay. Mobius is definitely at least a D6. I, I don't think you could possibly own and operate a restaurant without having at least a functional understanding of how food works, right? Well, in that backstory we made up for him, he was married to a really good chef on the surface and then they got a messy divorce and then he moved to Caldonics with Dick because oh, he won right. custody. I forgot about that. That's great. To start a new life as a restaurateur. Okay. If Clint would have been a D10, Mobius would have been a D6. But if Clint's moving up, I think Mobius has to as well. Like, Otherwise, I think like, Mobius, the disparity is too great. It's like gotta be middling food. Like he has the capacity to be a better chef, but he doesn't, right? Even with a D8, like the raw potential is there maybe, but he funnels his energies into being shitty instead. <laughs> sure. And, but here's the thing. People still go to his restaurant. The food isn't amazing, but it's passable. Maybe he used to be a D6 and now he's a D8. He got good enough to not poison people but like you think about most restaurants that are in service are adequate right like chain chain restaurants you can go there you can eat and it's good but it's probably not gonna be the best food you've ever had Hmm. that's mobius right he sells people on the idea or the theme or the feel of the restaurant he's like not the food he's like the long john silvers yeah he's the long john silvers sitting right next to a hardy's or something okay so mobius rolling a d8 oh my god Did he crit fail? I just crit failed. Yes! 
Well, suck it, Mobius. I wow. Uh, How rarely do I crit fail? So rarely. I savor to you. them. My God. <laughs> oh my my my! Wow wow wow! I, yeah, I mean. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. I'm the GM now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Yes, beautiful, lovely GM. How does he fuck up this dish so badly? Sprinkle seasoning directly on top of the salad without putting it in a sauce or something to evenly distribute it, and it's just grainy and terrible. It's got to be something like that, right? Like, to crit fail something basic like a veggie arrangement or a salad. That's tough. You would have to do something pretty spectacular to fail that. What if he shredded the lettuce? It's basically just a coleslaw starter without the slaw. Okay, so shredded lettuce with like weird seasonings on yeah, it. Yeah, it's just tiny shreds of lettuce and Celtus with grainy seasoning on it that's maybe saltier than he... It's, it's basically just seaweed without having the good texture. Oh God, that's awful. Okay. Just horrendous. We get a shot of this being placed in front of all the judges, and there's a beat where they all stare at it. We get a close-up of Tan as he's taking a fork and trying to eat it, and as he's picking the greens up, they just continuously fall off of the fork because he's not able to do it very well. You can just clearly see there's an expression of irritation before they finally manage to wrangle it together and take a few bites. The reactions from Tan and Granny are neutral at best. Donovan is still putting on his pageantry, nodding and being, mm, yeah, really good. After the judges have finished, the spotlight moves to Tan. We're seeing something truly remarkable here today, folks. I do not believe I've ever had the opportunity to imbibe a salad quite as ridiculous as this one. Barely even able to get it on my fork. You have achieved what I thought would be impossible, which is to say, ruined a salad. He sits back down and there's a roar of laughter and scathing, booing, hissing from the stands in equal measure. Let me tell you, Athena's delighted. She has her arm around Tuke and is just like, yes! <laughs> All of your friends and associates that you're nearby are sharing that moment with you. Beautiful. Despite his best efforts, when Sekatan dunks on Mobius's food, along with the crowd, there's an uproarious laugh from Clint's area. <laughs> and you see him with his hands in the air, cheering, laughing at the top of his lungs, and Wonderful. then echoing in your head. Did you hear that? Did you hear? Did you hear what he said? <laughs> I heard it. Everyone heard that. Right? Everybody heard it. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's finally happening. You're doing great. Thank you. Do he and Pavi high five? Yeah. Nice. The spotlight moves to Donovan Reno. Donovan Reno here, Novi now, coming to you live from this podium. You know, it's true what they say, that the greats take those risks, and what we see here is truly avant-garde. This is a cutting-edge salad with all of the edges cut. Uh, I love the, the shape of the leaves, uh, the texture on my tongue. Th this is the future of salad in the making, and I love it. How about you roll that performance for me? D8. <laughs> He got a three. I will spend a GM Benny to... Mm. He got a four, so Damn he got it. one success. There's no hiding that it was a crit fail and that it looks terrible and everybody is saying it tastes terrible and everybody knows that he's a plant from the surface who's here, basically. So he seems wildly convincing in the way he presents some of these facts, but it's like any cooking show you've ever seen where they're like, yeah, you know, I, I think you did this really well and you did this really well, but man, you fucking burnt it. Like, what can I possibly <laughs> yeah. say? Listen, I know you had to make chicken fingers out of canned tuna. However, it's garbage. <laughs> it's trash. You should be ashamed. Maybe as he's saying these things, he has to like run his tongue over his teeth, just trying to get it off. Rubbing in his teeth with a napkin or something like that. 
and the spotlight moves over to Granny Gumshoe. Oh, you know what? The way I was raised, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all. But I don't think that applies during cooking competitions. There's truly a wonderful flavor buried beneath this monstrosity, and I, I, I wish that I could say it was better than it is because I like the taste. I don't know what you've done, but the taste is wonderful, but the execution is 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 just not. And there's uh, there's some confused clapping that goes around. Huh. Cheers from Mobius's section and everybody else, again, politely applauding her response. Athena just mutters, is she a plant too? Are there two plants? I don't know. I don't know, Tuca. I don't know. All right, well, we just got to figure out what's going on. Why did she like the flavor? I don't know. He said there was some sort of special ingredient or something. I swear if he's just dunking this shit in MSG, I'm going to be so angry. Oh, I mean, we got to... Do we have any way to find out what he's using? I don't know. Like, uh, not now. Make a smarts roll. D6 smarts. <laughs> Seven. You know that Granny Gumshoe is kind of the wild card in this situation, and you know that Mobius has some sort of secret ingredient that he's using. Mm-hmm. Nobody else seems to have commented on the taste the way that she did. It's true. There's got to be some way you could find out more about what that taste could be or why she would like it so much. Is Charles around? Um, Have I seen Charles at all today? Spend a Benny. I'll say that you can find Charles. I spend a Benny. Okay. Maybe she saw him as she was running by invisibly. Let's say that as you're making your way through the stands, riling up the crowd, you were able to spot Charles loitering near the back, minding his own business. And Charles is your contact in the secret chef cooking underworld and who you drop off your food review articles with for your column that you publish under an alias, I suppose. Anonymous. Anonymous. She doesn't have an alias because she has too many already. (laughs) That's fair. Charles is a Yara man with crustacean-like legs and dark hair and matching beard. She hustles back over there, rounds the corner to be right directly in front of him. Charles, what the fuck? And you're visible. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Athena, hello. Sorry, it really popped out of nowhere. No, I can tell. What? It just came around the corner like that. Oh, Charles, why did she like it? Why did she like it? It's garbage. Look at it. Look at it in the air. It's still floating. Look at it, Charles. (laughs) (laughs) During this period, the judges are making their final deliberations before announcing anything. And Athena is fleet of foot, as we know, so able to run around pretty quickly. She hustles. She's she's free runner. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He shrugs, just as mystified as you. I don't know what to tell you. I, it, uh, I know she was going to be sort of the X Factor here, but I, I maybe found something that she likes. But how would, how would he know? Uh, maybe he read her book. Oh no! So he's catering it. I assume that is uh, probably what he was doing. I I'm... didn't know she had a book. He just shrugs. Charles. I mean, I, I haven't read it myself either. Really? I can't read everything, Athena. <laughs> I have a life. I have things I do. I mean, I'm sure you could find it for sale if you want. Here? Why not? Isn't that what he said earlier? That it's on sale and you oh can find God. it? Oh my God. I don't read fast enough. And she runs away to go and find this fucking book. <laughs> Good luck. Oh no. <laughs> yes. We see Athena wild-eyed running through the abandoned inner ring of the shard looking for these books. It's just her face on the front smiling, real mom-like from Futurama, perhaps. Sure, yeah, it's her smiling. She doesn't have an open smile. She has a pursed smile, so you can see her gum line through it, but that's about it. It's her brand, you know? Right. Sweet Tooth Sleuth by Granny Gumshoe. She buys three of these books and runs back to her section of people. (laughs) 
Everybody, we need to read these so fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to make you roll for that. I think it's reasonable <laughs> to do that really quickly. She just hucks two of the books into the crowd of folks. It's in here. It's in here. She shouts. Who are you handing them to? Her friends and family. One lands in Cressida's lap and Tuca gets the other. Everybody exchanges a bewildered look at you. Slaps the front of the hardcover book. She she shelled out for three hardcover books. Very nice, yeah. And it makes thwacking noise and she's like, her flavor profile is in here. It's in here and we didn't know she had a book. As you guys begin to look your way through the books, we cut back over to the judge panel and it seems that they have two little signs they can hold up, one for Escarglow, one for Mobius Strip to denote who they're voting for in that round. Sekaton holds up Escarglow. Donovan Reno holds up Mobius Strips. Oh, she's on pins and needles. Granny Gumshoe holds up Escarglow. Ah, yes! As... Granny Gumshoe holds up the Escarglow signage. The crowd erupts into cheers and boos once more, and the announcer's voice echoes throughout the stadium. And it looks like round one goes to Escarglow and Clintero Sedaris. Athena cheers as she has her nose deep in a book. Oh, yeah. Yay! The lights flicker, and there are some additional spotlights that beam down and get Clint in a three-way spotlight type deal. Nice. He revels in the moment as you bury your nose in a book. Um, what are we looking for, dear? She's got a flavor profile. Mobius obviously knows it. I didn't know she had a book. I thought she was... It doesn't matter what I thought she was. She keeps reading. <laughs> Cressida's slowly fishing out a pair of eyeglasses. Fiora's leaning in next to her, trying to look through it. Is there an index in an autobiography? <laughs> she flips to the back. <laughs> I would like to make a research roll. Okay. Athena, you're going to make a research. I'll make a research roll for Cressida to assist you with this. What about Tuca? You can be assisted by up to four other people, but I think in this case it's just Cressida and Tuca because there's right. only two other books. Yeah. So It's all she could afford with her pocket cash. Tuca's research is probably a D4 because she's a regulator, so so I'm going to roll her. Oh, blew up a six <gasps> into a three. Nine. Dang, that's a plus two. Cressida has very high research because of who she is. Checks out. Hers is probably a D10. Damn. She got an 11. So you're going to get a plus four to this roll. You are looking through an autobiography at high speed to try to find a secret ingredient. That's a pretty substantial task. Yep. So I'm going to say base difficulty is minus six. Oh my God. If you want to succeed here, you get a plus four because of your friend's help. So you're at a minus two to this research oh roll. Oh God. Too bad you spent that conviction, huh? I know. <laughs> so you got some bennies, I think. That's not enough. I need a benny it. Okay. Seven minus two is still at five. That's a five. So that'll oh. be a success unless ah. you want to go for something more. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the secret ingredient is? And I'm asking you specifically because it's fun to have your input on this. I think it's like a spice or a flavor profile. I think it's a spice that maybe her mom used when she was little. That's So it ratatouille's yeah, her. That's, and that's exactly where I'm coming from in that I figured it was maybe something from the surface, like if she lived in a weird remote region, maybe the coast or... Maybe it's a very specific kind of sea salt. What if it's Cori-infused sea salt? I like that. From the vents that come up with the gas under, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I like that. It just adds a whole new level of flavor. Mm -hmm. While you guys are feverishly flipping through pages of this book, Tuca chimes in and she says, I think it's in chapter eight. She starts talking about where she grew up as a kid and how what influenced her palate. That's gotta be it. And we just hear feverish page turning. <laughs> 
Cressida is holding it open on her lap and has a single finger that is darting over the pages as she's she would be a speed, speed reader. <laughs> speed reading it. Yes, look on page 172. She does. Somewhere buried in here, I think. She scans. She adopts the finger reading method as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. As you pour over this book and this list of ingredients, and there are quite a few of them that she throws out there, you note that she takes particular pleasure in referencing a specific and extremely rare variant of sea salt that is cori-infused that can only be found on the coast of Verdant Reef, which you know to be kind of a tourist trap on the coast nearby. Fancy resort. Fancy resort town. Slaps the book on the words that say it. She shouts to her dad in brain. All right, Dad, you gotta get a salt. We just read her whole book, basically. The salt for Verdant Reef, it's special. She loves it. That's why she liked this stupid salad. The special salt? Verdant Reef, Cori-infused salt. It's gotta be on that table. That has to be what he had put on the list. Cori-infused salt. Sounds kind of pedestrian, but... But she likes it. All right. Okay. Just even a little bit. She has such a good palate, apparently, that she could taste it under all that garbage. Just just a little bit. Having to use top ingredients. I know. Okay. Thank you. Super fancy, though. Super imported. Imported. From her childhood. Reminds her of her mama's cooking. Thank you. You made your point. I'll use it. It's gonna be great. We cut back to find Mobius and Clint squaring up in front of the pile of ingredients again as the announcer comes on overhead. Prepare to begin round two. Entree. Potentially the final round. In the event of a tie, we'll move on to a sudden death dessert tiebreaker. You didn't come up with a better name for that? She says out the side of her mouth. I don't know that the announcers in charge are coming up with the names, but he could have put another spin on it, I guess. It's not very good flair. It's got a little flourish. This isn't the normal Shazad announcer. Who is this fucking guy? I don't know. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> she pats her arm. <laughs> she pats you. I know, I know. You worked up. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, she says. <laughs> <laughs> There's another countdown overhead, and then a buzzer, and then they rush forward and grab ingredients. Would I be able to spend a Benny? to perform an additional action this round, but I'm looking for something that would negatively affect Mobius. Something that maybe Clint thinks would help. Yeah, of course. I'm gonna ruin this guy so bad, Athena. I know, just let him know, let him know. I know it's secret, I'm gonna tell him. Can you make him not cheer for him or something like that? I'm on it. There is a very pointed moment when you see Clint and Mobius moving towards the same spot. You guys see a quick sequence of Mobius and Clint squaring off in front of this pile of food, and they seem to exchange words before Clint snatches something and then moves on his way. Nice. Athena's got her eyes on Mobius, seeing if he's shadily grabbing anything else. Looks weird. He seems to be casting fervent glances back towards Clint as he continues going about and gathering his own things. Fervent glances? Yes. Like in the way that he wants the ingredient he snatched, or... It didn't look like Clint had taken all of something. It was Right. He's, he, maybe he's worried. Maybe. Athena doesn't know. Athena would like to check in with Pavi only real quick. Okay. Hey, Pavi, how's he doing? I think we're doing pretty well. Good, I mean, good, considering good. the response to that first round, pretty good. Pretty you know? good, pretty good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, your, your dad's uh, uh, probably about as in the zone as he can be, all things nice. considered. Okay. Let's just keep him there and have him cook a good thing, and then this is all yes. This is all yes. You got it. Yep. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. 
Clint and Mobius return to their respective stations and get to cooking. What if she goes over to intimidate the section of people he has to pump himself up? Okay. So you're gonna you're gonna intimidate a section? Could she ominously rumble their seats? Ominously rumble their seats to just like throw them off base so that yeah, make them jostle a little bit, have their seats vibrating because she can do shape metal with her wizard. She can do shape earth basically. If she just distracts them for long enough, he doesn't get support from them. Okay. With them being like, what the fuck's going on? Okay. Anything that will distract them from being vocal. Okay. Given that you're trying to spook people a little bit, let's stick with intimidation. Okay. So go ahead and roll your intimidation. Psychological warfare. Oh, no. What? Did you crit fail again? I crit failed. Oh, my God. How do you crit fail this roll? She is exceedingly riled up right now. What if Vi wakes up a little bit? Okay. And she has to just be out of sight in case something happens for like a hot sec till she gets that all under control. Athena, your adrenaline is pumping. You're in this moment. You reach for that power to shake these stone seats in front of you to try to distract the crowd. And as you're reaching, you feel that bubbling purple energy within you reacting to your emotional state and start to push itself forward. And you see the purple tinges at the edge of your vision. No, 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 no. The faint stirrings of power that were about to rumble through the benches evaporate as you remove yourself The crowd remains unchanged. She pulls up her hood and is hiding in one of the arches while she gets her stuff under control. Eyes clamped shut, forehead against a wall. And then you hear Clint's voice. Uh, Everything going okay out there? It didn't seem like the the, the crowd didn't back me up on that one. I'm sorry, I goofed. I goofed a little bit. Everything's okay. I, uh, I got this. Don't worry. Yep. She abandons her heckling and goes to invisibly work the crowd again in Clint's support section to recoup for her fuck-up she just did. What is Athena doing during this time? She's trying to do more of the same from last round. Crowd antics? Yeah. Okay. She instructs Tuca and Cressida and someone else with her third book to keep looking through for anything that sounds promising now that they have a taste chapter to look at. Yeah, I like that. That can be one of your thingies. Cool. She is just going to go try and make the crowd rowdy for her dad's cooking. You go ahead and roll performance. Yes. Eight. Getting them rowdy is easy enough at this point, so that's fine. Would you like to roll a research for Cressida? Yes. It's a D10. You can treat her as a wild card. The modifier to get further information that might be useful at this point is going to be a minus four. Okay. So D10, but you're at a minus four. Five. Five. That's a success. Okay, so you All guys right, have grandma. Net, net three successes there. You want to give me a snippet of you boosting the crowd? She immediately starts shit-talking Donovan Reno invisibly. <laughs> I was like, that fucking guy, you saw him, you saw him run his tongue over his teeth. That was so grainy, out of control. This is a real bad dude. Hey, yeah, who put this guy, who put him on the judges? The toppers. Dude, damn, toppers shouldn't even be here. It's representation. That's neither here nor there. She walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Behind you, you just hear, oh, Donna Marino, Donna Marino, boo, Donna Marino, boo. That Sekatan, he's got a good head on his shoulders. That Baron. Sekatan. While you're over there doing that, you hear Cressida's voice come through again, and she says, Clintero, dear, it says here that you need to be careful with your ration. The portions that you're using to season with that Cori-infused salt, if you go overboard, it could either ruin the taste or even become toxic. Does it say how much makes it toxic and bad? Uh, It says nothing more than a pinch. So I suppose it depends on how big your hands are, but err on the side of caution. 
I think it's just probably the, it's like the smallest of the approximate sizes, right? Uh, I believe so. A pinch, a dash, a. I'm not much. Uh, yeah, that sounds. Yep, gotcha. I'll, yep, I appreciate the logistical support team. Mm-hmm. Kind kind of feels maybe not like cheating, but uh, it's it's kind of uh, cheating. It's not cheating. Roll me a persuade. Suck. It's a four. Okay. You're just using the same knowledge that he came in with. Uh, uh yeah, I guess. That's that. evening the playing field. That is a legal move. In the crowd, she's making an arm chop definitive answer motion with her arm. Are you visible or are you invisible? She's back with the group now, I think. Okay. In the clouds this time, we get shots of Clint using one of those meat weights on top of a steak on a grill with some fire coming up from underneath it. Do you know okay. what I mean? Sure, yeah. I don't know if that's standard practice for regular steaks, but it is for Kaida steaks. <laughs> we see Mobius during the preparation phase, chopping more vegetables, boiling water to cook some pasta. He's got a big wok. He combines everything in, a bunch of little tubes carrying various sauces and measurements that he combines into it. Mobius has like Yara hands. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be bad for his dexterity. Are these veggies chopped shitty? Here, so here's the thing. Let's talk about that. I'm very curious. Yeah, so part of the Yara package is the all-thumbs hindrance. Mechanically, what all-thumbs means is you have trouble operating fine technology. So every Yara has two fingers and a big thumb. We see that come up with Roja the most mm -hmm. often. And practically, they can still really use anything that anybody else can. They just got a penalty when they're trying to operate it. Cooking Which is why Roja has that lab assistant. Right. She, Iva the lab assistant that we haven't seen for a very long time. Very, very long time. Yeah, Roja has trouble operating keyboards and computers and stuff like that. And if they crit fail while they're trying to use something, they break it. So... I think that that doesn't really apply to cooking because you're using a knife and you could very easily buy a knife that's meant to be used with a larger hand. That's fair. It's not like a fine electronic. But maybe it's not cut quite as nicely as it could. I think it's more a testament to his cooking ability, right? Ugh. So, <laughs> what? You, I'm clapping on Athena now because she can't cut straight either. It's fine. She didn't even have all thumbs. She got four fingers and a thumb. What's her excuse? She, she didn't even have to use them. She can use her brain. She can't chop straight with her brain. What's up with that? I think it's just a mental block at this point. Clearly. She's got a lot of those. The timer counts down. The buzzer sounds again. The foods have been plated and are ready for presentation to the judges once more. Beautiful. What did Clint make this time? Athena advised Clint to make something city-based, so she went with the Kaida steak as her recommendation. Because mm. not only is it delicious, but it shows that he's representing Caldonics. Do you want to make his cook and roll? Yes. You got a net plus three, so yeah, get, go ahead and add three to this. Okay. For the, the crowd cheering him on and the additional flavor profile. Plus three. Plus three. That's an 11. 11 in total? Yes. Okay. You want to stick with that? Could I spend one Benny just to see if I possibly roll better? Yeah, as long as you don't crit fail. Oh, God, no, I won't Benny it. Don't let me stop you. Pickled the steak. Come on, what are, what are the chances of a crit fail Pickle. here now? Pickle. Really? The Statistically. Pickle. Come on. You can Benny it? The literal stakes have never been higher. <laughs> 11. 11, okay. Because I don't know if you saw, there was a one on my wild die, and I know my rolls. So instead of giving Clint a bonus to his roll, I'm just no longer going to add the bonus to Mobius's roll for Whew. what he presents to Granny Gumshoe, since they're on equal footing with that. Whew. Didn't matter last time, because he quit failed. <laughs> because he failed. Yep. <laughs> Bad. 
the Kaida steak is placed in front of Sekatan, who carves himself a bite and chews it. The char marks are beautiful. Savors the flavor for a long moment before giving his verdict. I've eaten my fair share of Kaida steaks over the years, and I think it's safe to say that while I might not be an authority on the matter, I have as good a palate as any when it comes to gauging skill. This is a delicious steak. Maybe not the best I've ever had, but very well done, cooked to perfection. The crowd loves this response, and his section continues cheering as loudly as they can before Donovan Reno comes up. He gets a two on his <gasps> performance. I can't say that I've had too many Kaida steaks in my day. Being from the surface myself, I'm used to quite a different breed of creature and food. Well, I think that the presentation is adequate and the flavor profile is reasonable, I can't help but feel like more could have been done. Athena raises her hand and just, this fucking guy. And as he says this, he takes another bite and is talking while he's chewing. <laughs> you can clearly tell <clears throat> that uh, this is, that more could have been done. Thank you. Take another bite, you lying <laughs> son of a bitch. He does. Takes <laughs> one more and then pushes it away. Leans back in to say one last thing. I wish it was better. Athena mutters under her breath, bad, bad. <laughs> There's a lot of booing this time. Before moving on to the third judge in the panel, Granny Gumshoe. Oh, I hope she likes it. Well, you know, eating meat is often difficult for me because I don't have teeth. But I have to say, this kaida has been cooked so well that it practically melts in my mouth while I'm eating it. And that's just the ticket for me. And you've done something wonderful with the profile. There's a delicious undercurrent in the flavor, and I can't recommend it highly enough. I'll certainly be trying this again in the future. I, I'll have to ask you how you seasoned it. Something special there I can't quite put my finger on. To more cheering and applause from the crowd as she takes her seat. You look over to your father and his he's beaming. He's all puffed out. He's all puffed out, looking like he's having the best day. What do you think Mobius cooked for his entree, which is coming up now? Specializes in non-meat products. Non-meat products. Is he a vegetarian? I don't know that that's firmly established. It was always meant to be a juxtaposition. Like, Clint's right. stuff was all meat-based. His was supposed to be all plant-based and... Veggie stir-fry. Veggie stir-fry. That would allow him to use the salt pretty easily. Well, then, here we go. Mobius, oh, Mobius Richter rolling for successes. It's a two and a three. That is not good enough. I used one Benny earlier, so I still have his two for being a wild card. I'm going to use one. Blew up a six. No. Into a one huh? seven. Oh boy. I gotta spend my last penny to try to do this. So good. Blew up an eight. No! Into a six. Fourteen. Oh my god! I got a fourteen. What the fuck? As the food is being placed in front of the judges here, Sekaton swirls his fork around the stir fry before taking a large bite. I try to be fair and equitable in my dealings and even admit when I'm wrong, and I think in this case, this is probably some of the best stir-fry I've ever had. I don't know what you did, I don't know how you did it. I will choose kata steak every time, but this is something different. Well done. Surprised, but ecstatic cheering from Mobius's section as the rest of the stadium claps politely. It moves on to Donovan Reno, who slaps his hand on the table and pushes himself to his feet. This is exquisite. 
This is the best stir-fry I've ever had. You should all try it too. Mobius strip after this, am I right? I am right, I'll tell you that right now. Athena slumps in her seat. Oh God. Oh God. Cheering in Mobius' section reaches a fever pitch as it moves on to Granny Gumshoe. Can I just go knock them out? She says to the general people around her. Well, if there's anything that I like more than meat melting in my mouth, it's a delicious stir-fry that... Is this? It's wonderful. I, I've never tasted anything quite so good. You've flavored it perfectly. The, the spread is wonderful. Well done. The spread is wonderful. She yeah. says, fuming. Up high, Mobius's expression is jubilant, while Clint seemed to deflate bit by bit after every one of those judges had their say. After some deliberation, the judges hold up their placards. All three of them show the Mobius strip. No. There's a whoop that goes up around the crowd. The announcer comes back on. Well, this is certainly unexpected, folks. We're moving into round three. Sudden death dessert. Clint's voice comes back in your minds. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, I, I hit him with everything I got, and they still liked a stupid stir-fry better. I even used the ingredient. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe he's paying them all off. It doesn't matter. You're going to make a dessert. What uh, are you making, Dad? I, I don't know. I'm terrible with desserts. No, you're oh, not. God. You're not terrible oh, with desserts. No, no, it's fine. You see Pavi walk up behind him and put her hands on his shoulders and rub back and forth a little bit. They exchange words. She hopes that Pavi's being a better daughter than Athena is right now. A little bit more time passes and then they arrange themselves in front of the ingredients one last time. They stand off. Clint is anxious, sweaty, and probably on the verge of shaking, but Mobius looks extremely pleased with himself God. as they go about collecting everything. What do you think Clint is making here? A dark chocolate cake with some salted caramel on top so he can still utilize the special salt. I like that. It's good. Chocolate cake's pretty easy. Pretty but easy. But it's always delicious. They return to their stations and they continue cooking. What is Athena doing during this time? Trying to keep her shit together. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So heckling Mobius's people doesn't seem to have worked that well for her general deal. Mm -hmm. She uses her group as a sounding board. What can I do? She looks like she's sick. Sure. Probably like Clint does. What can any of us do at this point, dear? It's in your father's hands. You can rile the crowd, you can move them about, but ultimately he needs to stand on his own two feet and win one for himself. I gotta do something. Maybe towel yourself off. Oh God, is it that bad? Starts fanning her shirt open and closed. Tuka pats your shoulder. Oh no, oh, we could, um, we could try to heckle him directly. You, you could turn invisible and go on the field and yell at him. I don't know. Granny Gumshoe appears to be a Yara, so I don't think that one would work too hot for me. And then Dad would get disqualified and then shame. Well, shame. Yeah, sure, I'm, you're asking for ideas. I'm just spitballing. Oh, you. let's just go heckle people more. She's going to send Tuka to go heckle. Okay. Because she did better with heckling. And Athena's just going to go to the front row, the closest row to seed good thoughts about Clint. Well, then let's... And negative thoughts about Mobius. Okay, so persuasion from you. Tuka's is going to be a taunt. Okay. Tuka got a five. Athena got a four. Okay. Tuka's success will 
subtract one from Mobius's roll, and you got what? A four. A four, so that will add one to Clint's roll. So okay. there's a disparity of two. Athena's just like, do you hear that Mobius guy used to poison people? <laughs> Doesn't sound like a very good shift to me. <laughs> She's getting more and more frantic. I'm like, what? Is that true? He poisoned people? Yeah, he definitely did. I don't know if it was on purpose, but still. You hear somebody call, boo, poisoner, boo. She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the buzzer sounds for the final round. The foods are collected and placed in front of the judges one more time. Sekaton takes a bite of this. You said it was like a dark chocolate, salty caramel. Dark chocolate cake. Would it be too much to have vanilla ice cream with the salted caramel drizzled atop both of them so you can get a little bit lighter if you need it, a little bit more rich if you want it? You want to roll for Clint? Yeah. Oh, no. I need to... I mean, they're fours, but that's not... I'm going to spend my last penny. Okay. Oh, it's the exact same roll. It's only a six. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, God. I've ruined my family. <laughs> He's going to die sad in a gutter. Well, let's roll here. Oh, jeez. He blew up an eight. No! A six. I've got an adventure card. I have to use it. Okay. What do you? What's your adventure card? Mechanical malfunction. Okay. What does that do? The text is sprawling. A device malfunctions in some way. Gun jams. Bowstrings break. Etc. The device can be fixed by a repair roll at minus four and ten minutes work. Could this goober him at all? Sure. I mean, it could mess up what he, his cooking implements. Excellent. Like the stove that he's working with or whatever. Fuck this guy. Okay, so mechanical malfunction. I don't think this has anything to do with what Athena is doing. I think this is just something that happens. Hear me out on this. I like that the malfunction occurs because of the previous tampering with the grills. Oh, yeah, because like, he did it. Right, because he did tamper with it and then somebody removed them and it was on both the grills and it was removed from both. But maybe whenever they removed it, it messed up his a little bit. Oh, shit. Is that cheating? I mean, it wasn't intentional. It's negative he's, cheating. He's it's being, cheating a cheater. Yeah, Fuck it. Doesn't he's, matter. He's being affected by his own cheating. It's just come back to bite him in the ass in a very karma-like way. The audience listening right now couldn't hear that, but I was making a thank you gesture towards the sky. Maybe he's making a really nice muffin with a crispy top. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. With a granulated sugar you crunch through, and they're very satisfying. Okay, I like that. Here's what I'm thinking. The way he had cheated before was somebody put temperature regulators on the stoves themselves so that he could control Clint's heat. And even if the grills got switched, he was on it. He was ready, ready for duplicitous behavior. Right. So I feel like it turned up the heat on his just a little bit to the point where it burned things a tiny bit. And he doesn't notice until it's too late. So it's a little crispier. I didn't know if I wanted to play this because I didn't know if it felt disingenuous in a situation where cheating is you know but what i'll say for the mechanical malfunction i'll treat that like a negative benny okay so i'm gonna re-roll mobius's and he's gonna have to take the lower of the two so it's kind of like disadvantage that's fun okay (laughs) so this time mobius has rolled a one and a four a one and a four you say do not have any bennies left for him not a one not a one Clint's salty caramel chocolate cake is passed from judge to judge. Or they all get their own. All the judges. <laughs> They're just eating off of the same piece of fucking cake. They're just like, get out of here, Tom. Tan takes a bite, licks his lips, leans in to give his verdict. It's salty. It's chocolatey. It's delicious cake. Well done. That's all you need. That's all you need. Cuts over to Donovan Reno. Roll his performance. 
uh, for passable. We have here some salty chocolate cake. Feels like it could have been purchased from any sort of street vendor or uh, local eatery that one would be the head cook of. Edible. I don't feel like vomiting yet. Athena's just muttering, you should eat local, Donovan. God damn you. And then down to Granny Gumshoe. The salted caramel is especially tantalizing. I think you've done a wonderful job. I don't have any teeth for it to get stuck in. Delicious. The crowd begins to cheer and stomp as the thuds echo around the stadium. Mobius's dessert is put in front of each of the judges. Looks like he's made some sort of muffin. Any kind of fruit in that? Uh, how would I know? Maybe it's cranberry. Maybe it's cranberry. <laughs> but from up here, from the visual recreation of it that you're seeing above in the mist, it's a little crispy. She grabs Tuka's shoulder and shakes her. That shit's burnt! That's just burnt, Tuca! We cut over to Mobius, who is at his cooking station, dabbing sweat off of himself with a handkerchief, staring at his grill, turning knobs, looking underneath it, not looking as cool as he was before. How's dick look? Is he trying to placate his dad? He's standing behind Mobius, and he's much taller than Mobius, yeah. but I think he's behind Mobius, exchanging words, he's gesturing over towards the judges, and that's when all of the judges begin to eat, and we start with Sekatan. Well, you did it once, and uh, seems like you did it again here. This is a muffin, I assume. I don't know that I've ever eaten a muffin as dessert, uh, but I've certainly never eaten a muffin that was as burnt and crispy as this. Good taste overall, still burnt. Athena whoops. (laughs) Whoops joyfully. (laughs) Cheering laughter and cackling from Clint's fans as it moves to Donovan Reno. Donovan Reno here, coming to you live from the Muffin Podium. I love muffins. They're the perfect dessert. I don't know why anyone would ever think differently. Everyone should eat at least one muffin a day, preferably as dessert. I don't think that's right. And this is an excellent muffin. Scattered applause and booing before it moves to Granny Gumption. The muffin is cooked. It's, um, it's got that same flavor, but it's got some other flavors too. Uh, mostly that it's been burnt. You shouldn't burn your food. At all. Especially in a competition. Thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) She says with a happy tear. At that moment, you look back to Mobius and Dick, who are on their podium, and Mobius is gesturing at the grill in a very angry way, looking back to Dick, and they're in the middle of a heated discussion. There's another minute or two of deliberation before it lights dim and the announcer comes on. A few Shazad lasers fire through the mist in oh, the yeah. arena. It's it's very, who wants to be a millionaire, yes. Jason? Yes. Or who is the weakest link? I love it. The announcer comes back on. Here we are, cooking fans, at the end of the sudden death tiebreaker. Who will walk away as the crown king of chefdom here today in this arena? Will the contestants please take the field once more? Clint and Mobius both make their way down onto the field before the judges' table for this final declaration of their worth. Do you think Pavi's eating some of the leftover cake from the extra plates (laughs) at the station? I like that, yeah. She's just sitting there eating cake. Sekatan is the first to hold up his sign. Escarglow. It's a snail. Donovan Reno next holds up a Mobius strip. The final spotlight moves to Granny Gumshoe. Oh god, it's all on her. The stadium falls silent, every breath held, as we await her final decision. She holds up her sign, and after a fraction of a second, everyone can see that it is, in fact, a snail.
Yes! <laughs> the stadium erupts in cheers and booming voices, people leaping to their feet, clapping, throwing things into the air. On the field, no one's expression could match Clint's. He throws his arms into the air, screaming his triumph to the heavens, or at least the cavern ceiling. The cavern ceiling. Mobius, hand over his face, falls to his knees and pounds a fist on the ground. Pavi has set her cake down and is clapping and cheering with everyone else. Clint is basically just turning in circles with his hands <laughs> in the air, holding his knife and ladle once again. Uh, he had the forethought to bring them with him. <laughs> Has a knife holster on his hip for a quick draw. Clint's form, spiraling in circles, is recreated above in real time so everyone can see him. The announcer comes on over the speakers one more time. And there we have it, folks. Clintero Sedaris of the local eatery Escar Glow rises up to become champion. Show him some love, folks. Let him know he's worked hard and long to reach this point. Presume. In your head. I did it! <laughs> Athena, everyone, I did it! That dumbass. Look at him. He's on the ground. He's pounding his little fist on the ground. He's so sad. This is the best day. I never want this day to end. <laughs> he burned his stupid muffin. Well done, dear. You did it, Clint. I knew you could. As Clint begins spiraling, doing some victory dance type stuff. Um, Athena is joyously sobbing. <laughs> She's got snot. She's a mess. She oh. was so worried. Lights and sounds. There's quite a display and spectacle occurring overhead in the mists as they reform into different shapes, exploding like fireworks. Even as the announcer's voice continues to address the crowd, maybe telling them about upcoming events and announcing the victory, the crowd roaring their approval. There is a great gust of air that washes over the stadium, accompanied by a whistling noise that builds and builds, and each moment you feel as though it can't get any louder, it keeps on building. Above you in the air, the thick sheet of fog and mist swirls like the eye of a hurricane, and all of the blurred images wash in and out of view. Moving together in this roiling jumble of mist, shapes begin taking form, accompanied by flickers of piercing yellow light. Oh. God. Distorted, twisted faces begin to emerge from this cloud above you, agonized and terrified expressions as the misshapen forms wash in and out of focus like the ebb and flow of a tide. Small vortexes of fog begin to spiral downwards, twisting and scraping against the arena itself and objects like tethers of electricity as they begin to move towards the crowd. Athena's immediate reaction is to start giving orders to people. As Athena is working through this mental process, the stadium around you goes through several quick transitions. Everyone looking up at the mist, which is normally used as basically a giant video screen. They still think it's part of the show. They're like, this is kind of weird. And then the faces show up in the mist and they're like, we need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> What's broken? What's going on? Yeah, I think that's pretty succinct. As soon as the bulk of the crowd realizes that things are not what they appear to be and those tendrils of fog and mist begin to rake through the stadium, that's when panic begins to set in. There is what you could describe as an attempted mass exodus as everyone begins to try pushing their way to the exits, but there are just so many bodies that it immediately clogs up. Oh, because it's all, it's all those long tunnel archways. They're just cattle shoots. Yeah. Everyone was condensed in the stands. This is a kill box. Kind of seems that way. 
What is your first action? What are you trying to do? First action is she stands up and does a very solid stomp on the ground. And I'd like to use her shape metal with wizard raises up knee really quick and then does like a very swift kick to impact the ground. Mm -hmm. She's trying to make a very tiny tunnel that's also kind of a slide so people can exit down into the lower level of the behind scenes. Okay, and you said you're using wizard to do this? Yes. Okay, that's perfectly acceptable as a thing to do here. You can spend your power points to activate your wizard for that. You kick into the ground. It's almost like the force of your kick is what shoots the stone back into itself and creates this chute that has been bored directly into the stadium itself. Nice. How big are you trying to make this? Person size. Person size. So they can just slide down. You make that. It'll take a little bit before people really see what's going on and think She just to wants that. to evacuate her people. Sure. First. She grabs Tuka and is like, get them to a safe place and meet me back here. Would it be fair to say that they probably have some kind of bunker in the shard because it's literally where the big tunnel hole is? Oh, I mean, there's a ton of underground tunnel network below the shard. This is where Shazad happens, so they have a lot of maintenance tunnels and stuff like that. There are channels that connect to the main crystal in the city, and that's how they funnel a lot of Mm -hmm. power over here. The Cassian tunnels are literally right next door, so there's probably a lot, yeah, but I would say that Athena likely doesn't have intimate knowledge of any of that. You were at the Shard a lot, but unless you were working as a Cassian, you wouldn't know where all that specific stuff is. But Tuka would. Tuka would definitely have more than you. That's why she's sending Tuka. So you're just trying to get her to take them to a safe place. Yeah, corral them. And Athena's crouched, trying to shoo her family and friends <laughs> down this slide chute to unknown depths. You can definitely do that. Tuka's eyes are wide in confusion, much like everyone else around you, but she nods to you, perks up her head tendrils fluttering out as she turns and begins trying to usher all of your family members to the chute. Yeah, d- I got it. Don't worry. Safe place. Let my grandma know when you're coming back. Okay. She needs to talk to Pavi. I don't think Clint has noticed anything at this point. God. Galatian town. All of this is happening in the span of seconds. Probably only the people with battle reflexes are like, this is going to go tits up real fast. So some of the things that I've described are in the process of taking place. Concurrent. Yeah. It's good they were off to the side. (laughs) Pavi, I need you to get everybody in those tunnels and then come on back here, okay? I'll try. I'm going to make that thing very distracted and very angry, so get everybody out now. Be safe. How can I not be? It's the shard. (laughs) As she's ushering her grandmother down the tube, she checks in just with her real quick. Do you have Lepaco on speed dial? Because I need a microphone, like, now. I'll find him as soon as I can. All she does is pat her on the back and wait till everybody's in and then close it. Okay, so you're spending time here doing this. Yeah. Okay, you're not she's, just like sending them off. And then... No, she's staying here to make sure their exit is covered. It's definitely eating into time to do other things, but she needs to make sure they're safe. Sure, yeah. The cloud above you continues to grow and grow and spread further outward until it will eventually cover all of the shard. And it's growing exponentially at this point. What you're doing takes probably somewhere between 15 and 30 seconds to get everybody going down the chute, seal it back up. In this time, that's when everything goes completely crazy as everyone's trying to force their way out of the shard. Screams and shrieks of confusion echo from everyone around you. 
You can see that there are regulators and occasionally Cassians clad in battle garb scattered throughout the crowd or even in the stands who are standing apart from the others as they are not fleeing, but have their eyes cast upward just as you likely do. You do notice that these tendrils of fog begin to rake over the crowd, further screams of confusion as you watch individuals getting pulled up into the air and sucked back up into the cloud itself. Oh, Jesus. Little mini tornadoes that are sucking people up into the mass. You get one very specific shot. You see a Nakir man clasping the hand of a woman with similar features whose legs are dangling up into the air as she's being pulled and straining against him. You, of course, can't hear what they're saying, but there is terror on both of their faces before she's ripped from his arms and pulled up into the cloud. He topples forward out of the stands and into the arena. I don't know why Athena isn't more frantic right now. Maybe she used up all of her manic energy earlier biding her time with her fingers grating into the stone of the railing, just trying to see when and if Pavi gets people off the floor, Mm -hmm. right? You know what I mean? Every heartbeat is a drumbeat in her ears. You can see Pavi springing into action, trying to gather the people on the fields, but the longer you wait, the more this cloud begins to grow and the more tendrils snake down from it, and it does not take long before your vision is being obscured and you can't distinctly see what is happening on the field anymore. You hear the announcer's voice crackle over the stadium speakers. Well, folks, I'm not not quite sure what's what our FX team is doing, but uh, if you'll all keep your seats and... Maintain orderly conduct. We'll have things figured out. What? Over the din of the crowd, you can hear the shattering of glass. You look over to where you know the announcer's box to be as the window erupts outwards in shards and Eugene Lepaco leaps into the air on his bright wings formed of energy. You watch him dart elegantly, diving down in a sharp arc towards you. Does not seem to be slowing as he nears. You can see that he does have the microphone in hand. Yes! Holding it out for you as he shoots by in a flash. She holds up her hand. He pulls up so he passes just above you and does his best to drop the microphone so that it will careen into you at velocity. Athena snatches it out of the air with her shape metal, which is always going these days. Yes, Athena, you pluck the microphone from the air using your shape metal. It's a cool weight in your hand as you stand on these stone steps and the sea of people continues panicking around you. Small vortexes of fog sucking up patrons as they tumble upwards into the sky and disappear into the foggy mass. And as they do, you don't hear their screams anymore. Oh, that's the worst part. Well, Athena's gonna do what Athena does best recklessly be annoying and make herself the biggest target. (gasps) She taps on the microphone. You get that. The last thing Athena does while her shape earth is still active from earlier is she takes her foot, sweeps it upwards in a kick and makes a ramp for herself that goes out over the actual stadium floor going up. She walks up it at a fairly leisurely pace as she starts to talk. Ladies and gentlemen, all patrons of Festival, please continue your exit of the stadium and surrounding areas at a safe and orderly pace. 
We have an unregistered aspirin on the field. Let's take a look at that. The yellow-eyed fellow who's anything but mellow, Zeev. Hobbies include diving, stealing things that don't belong to him, and ruining everyone's good time. Luckily, we have a special treat for him. The conduit is back in her return debut at the Shard. She doesn't need two arms to protect this hallowed ground and encourages this dipshit to take his best goddamn shot. Well, I have to say, despite there being some sort of hell cloud released in the arena, I'm quite relieved that the cook-off is done. <laughs> it almost went very badly. It almost it was very close. ended with Clint's downward spiral. To be fair, it did. And then you had an adventure card that helped yeah. change things, which is great. And that's why I love the system. I love adventure cards. Yeah, because you can pull crazy stuff like that out and whatever makes the best story. So I really like that. Hopefully your dad's okay. Yeah, that'd be neat. Who knows? Pavi has a job. I hope she does it really Hopefully well. Hopefully Pavi's okay. Well, Athena has been watching. She knows they're fine. Hopefully Mobius is okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just Pavi's like, oh no. This was a really cool and special episode for another reason. Oh no. <laughs> Did you guys like the music this episode? I thought it turned out awesome. We have a very special new artist who put together some songs for us. Commissioned them, actually. No, you didn't. It's great. <laughs> Michael, don't lie to them. <laughs> yeah, so we commissioned some new music for the show. Michael. <laughs> I hope you guys liked it. That was all done by Allie. Not all of it. Well, not, okay, well, not all of it, but like the stuff during the cook-off itself and uh, the judge music and the drama building stuff, that was all Allie. Isn't that awesome? Wasn't that cool? Thanks, Pickle. It's really good. You see, I have a very specific musical niche and it's synthwave adjacent cooking competition music (laughs) well you filled that niche good job i watched so many cooking competitions it had to pay off in some way i'm glad it could be of use if there's anyone out there who is in need of some synthwave cooking competition music i was thinking about just posting all the songs on our patron exclusive discord that's an amazing idea for use or listening or just to remember they're there for me so the original title for this episode was a work in progress name it was secret sauce who's the boss that is not what we went with but that is what the first two rounds of songs are called (laughs) i hope you guys enjoyed it It sounds really good as i was doing my listen through of the episode as i do every time one of my criticisms was that there was too much talking over the good music (laughs) i had heard it before and i knew that it sounded really good and i couldn't really hear it over what was happening it's very flattering thank you that's good i hope you guys enjoy it too aside from that fantastic music who are the other exceptionally talented individuals Crockett and Wave Shaper. Crockett you can find at Crockett80s on Twitter and Crockett.Bandcamp.com. Wave Shaper at WaveShaper1.Bandcamp.com. And And Wave Wave Shaper (laughs) underscore SWE on Twitter. If you want to listen to these songs on our patron-exclusive Discord, you can find us at patreon.com slash RPG for you and me. Still searchable. Still searchable. That's not part of the URL slug, but we are still searchable. (laughs) Got a fun group of very cool people there. Thank you to everyone who is currently on our Discord server, including our patrons. I'd like to thank Michael, not only for being a patron, but for this slam dunk of a bonus scene prompt this week. This was a really fun one to do. It's something I've been thinking about Mm -hmm. for years. And then Michael's just like, what about seeing them two fight? And I was like, (laughs) well. (laughs) Have we got a treat for you? Stay tuned for that. That'll be a lot of fun. 
the wonderful people who created Savage Worlds, the Pinnacle Entertainment Group. You can find them and their products online at peginc.com. And if you would give us maybe a moment of your time, I know we just spent an hour and a half together, but if you've got the time and you could leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, apparently that helps a lot. I did not realize how much. But oh now my. we know. And we have we have some great reviews on there. Yeah, and we do. Thank They're you for so everyone nice. who took the time to leave a message. I am someone who rarely reviewed podcasts. I would occasionally leave a rating but not a review. And that's totally fine. It's it's a big ask. But if you guys have the time to do either one of those things, it means a lot to us and we really appreciate it. Even if you don't, thank you for listening, for just being here with us. So I hope you guys are having fun and that this continues to be enjoyable for you. Because it is for us. But here's a bonus scene. See you guys in two weeks. See you guys. What color is the shard this evening? This evening, it is beautiful gold. The stands are packed, the crowd ready and excited. The lights dim, the shaping's already happened. Some music pipes in. The mists above swirl and lights in color. This time, the match is already underway. Oh my. Two contestants. Who, who are they? Did you tell me? One of them is Athena Sedaris, but better known here as the Conduit in her prime aspirant days before she left. Her outfit tonight is very superhero adjacent. Pretty flashy shit. High neck leotard, for lack of a better word. It's in stripes of gold and black, metal spiky pauldrons on her shoulders, and a half cape. It's cloth, so the metal pauldrons have sliced through it. I don't think she intended that, but she's got some thigh-high boots on. Very good for running, apparently. (laughs) She has a mask of electricity, but it's all her natural gold core. It's beautiful. It covers from like domino bottom up arcing through her hair. Can we see her eyes? Those are the only things you can see, maybe. Where do we see her when we join this camera angle? She's running away from some arrows. We get a shot of the conduit in motion. Several arrows bury themselves into the stone wall of the shard beside her. They're very good, very even shots. Mm -hmm. It's very precise. We see some acrobatics from you to dodge out of the way, and there's a roar of approval from the crowd. As she moves, there's always a trail of electricity behind her onto the ground, track where she's been. I like Like a a light cycle or something. I like that, though. That's really cool. She has to allocate some power points to do that, but I think it looks really cool. (laughs) She could take the speed power at some point. We zoom back as the last arrow embeds itself in the stone, pulling back further and further away until we have a third-person point-of-view shot of a figure holding a very large bow. The bow itself is made of a sleek, dark polymer, two large metal globes on either end, but no bowstring between them. The figure holding the bow lowers her arm, allowing it to rest at her side as she surveys the field. Her hair is spiked back in ridges along the sides like the fletchings of an arrow, and two purple feather plumes swoop back like the horns of a gazelle. She wears a wine-red, flexible-looking leather armor over a belted tunic with leather sandals that have braids spiraling up to fasten along her calves in intricate patterns. She also has a small cape, but it is cast over only one shoulder. There's a buckle that fastens it on her left shoulder and it tumbles down behind her, fluttering with her movement. The figure holding the bow has tawny skin, dark hair, and dark eyes. And she cries a taunt out to the field. Is that why they call you the conduit? Because you're the quickest channel to failure. 
reaches into a side satchel and pulls out it looks like a metal arrowhead that has a circular ring hook attached to it and no shaft. She takes one of these, knocks it like an arrow on the bow, and pulls it back between the space where there is no bowstring. We can see invisible tension gathering there until she releases it, and this metal arrowhead spirals through the air and smashes into a stone column right next to the conduit. Stop hiding! Come out and face the Lady Paramount! The conduit heaves out a breath, sneaks her head out from around the pillar she is definitely hiding behind. Failure? I don't think you've managed to hit me once, so... There's another beat as we have a frontal shot of Athena against that pillar. She's peeking around, and in the background, the blurred image of the Lady Paramount moving and darting off to one side. And then a split second later, the corner of that pillar explodes again and shards fly everywhere. I don't think this is meant for the crowd, but... Athena, more than the conduit, goes, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) If I put you down with the first shot, there wouldn't be much of a show for these fine folk in the stands, would there? So why don't you do something interesting instead of running away? Oh, I don't know. Running away can be quite a show sometimes. And she streaks out from behind the pillar with the lightning following her as she starts to parkour off of the pillars. (laughs) I'm imagining that there are a fuck ton of pillars strewn about of that varying the, sizes. That is the, the metric quantifier for the amounts of pillars. A That's what ton. I thought. Yes. She's doing some sick kick flips off of the pillars to get to the top of one and then mm-hmm. hopping from pillar to pillar mm-hmm. to try and send a lightning bolt directly through her. You can do that. For the most part, she's moving where there is not a lot of cover. She's staying away from the cover because you clearly move faster than she does, but as you crest the top of the pillar and aim that lightning bolt down at her, she stands at the ready, provided you are unleashing said lightning bolt. Oh yes, she would be. She stands, whips her bow around in front of her, so one of those metal balls is facing you, and as soon as you shoot that lightning bolt, you notice that it catches on that ball, and then she slams the bow into the ground, and you watch the flickers of electricity dissipate like veins into the ground itself. From the top of the pillar, she shrugs and says, Looks like I'm grounded! Not yet you're not! And she pulls out what looks like a small metal baton from a thigh holster, snaps it in the air, and there's a hum of energy, and you watch this coil of blue Cory spiral out from it, like a Cory whip. Ooh, that's cool. And then cool. she spins it in the air and slashes it at the pillar that you're sitting on and cuts right through the pillar, the top near where you are, and it begins to slide down. Athena, getting wise, kicks down on the front of it to try and direct her fall to be towards Lady Paramount mm-hmm. so she can just punch her into the ground. You succeed at doing that. She's in the middle of whipping this Cory whip around and you do a flying kick at her. She wants the pillar to fall forward to give her that extra momentum so she can All Might style smash. Okay, gotcha. But with a fistful of lightning. You jump straight at her, smash into her with this fistful of lightning. She's mid-swing trying to bring it back around at you, but you've moved too fast. She does have one of those red domino masks, matches the rest of her outfit. Her eyes widen in surprise just before you connect, and there's that crackle of electricity and a small sonic boom, and she gets tossed back, smashing through a wall of slate that creates a spectacular cloud of dust as she tumbles into another wall. Athena straightens up and does one of those cape dust-offs by pulling the front of it and says, They say lightning never strikes twice, but... (laughs) In the distance, we see Tuka in the stands. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Younger Tuka. 
as the stone dust cloud begins to dissipate, we see the figure pushing themselves back up, first onto their knees and then to their feet, and they say, That may be, but that was only once. From within the cloud of dust, there is a hail of small crossbow bolts. It's like a swarm of bees directly at you. In a moment of panic, she ragdoll flops to the ground, praying they all just fly over her. (laughs) Out of the cloud, you see the Lady Paramount running in a cross strafe around the edge of the arena as she has two single handheld crossbows and she continues firing at you. They have loaders in them. That's why they could fire more than once. That's cool as hell. (laughs) I love it. Why not? Why not? Athena takes to dodging between the pillars once again, going in and out, weaving. Lady Paramount, I don't see a lot of jewelry, but I got some jewels for you. Because, <laughs> like, energy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. And she starts firing lightning. Is pell an accurate word? Yeah, just shooting it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, firing everywhere. She is desperately low on PowerPoints. <laughs> She's trying to give him a show while she can. Get your jewels joke. There's a rumble from the crowd of just like, what? But then there's some people that are just like, yeah, smart joke. She gives a thumbs up as she continues to fire (laughs) lightning. As the Lady Paramount runs around the edges of the arena and these crackling bolts of light begin to fork and spiral at her from different directions, we get a quick series of acrobatics you know she jumps and twists in the air rolls down into a slide and then comes up again holding that bow with the two metal balls on either end and you see that lightning still crackles on the bow itself this time she draws another metal arrowhead with the circular metal finger holder draws it back and then fires it directly back at you and this time it is charged with your own lightning that bitch That's so mean. A close-up as the arrowhead smashes into the conduit's shoulder, throwing her back with significant force, smashing through another slate wall. The conduit clatters through these tiny shale walls with the force of the impact. She does crack into one of the pillars right in the back of her head. And it's one of those thunks that you can taste before you can feel it, right? In the conduit's last several moments of lucidity before fading to unconsciousness, she can hear the gasp and roar of the crowd and then the Lady Paramount walking into frame with slow steps as she turns with her arms out to the crowd in triumph. It looks like the conduit's all charged up, but she needs to work on her release. (laughs) The last shot we get is Reet's grandstanding in the background and Athena frowning before passing out. <laughs> <laughs> now, Proctor Olette Reet's in her persona, the Lady Paramount, turns to her adoring fans, takes a sweeping bow as her cape flutters behind her, and then we fade to black. 